turn to your neighbor and say, we're going. We're going up. Amen. Our message is this month, up, up and away. I believe God wants to take us to another level in our hope. Everybody say my hope. And our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's not based on our circumstances, not even based on promises that even we believe God gave us. Our hope is in Him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And if we keep that hope focused, we'll never be discouraged. We'll never be pulled down, but we'll continue to go up. Amen? Let's make our confession this morning. Uh, I believe that God has a word for us today, and, and I pray that God will help me give it the way He gave it to me. Uh, let's say this together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. I believe it's going to be a great time. I uh, had seen a 7 in 7 message in Tulsa last year when I went to the leadership conference. And I don't know why, but it just came back to me to uh, do that here. And uh, it, it ministers to everybody somewhere, wherever they are. But it's just good to hear what God's doing in other people's lives. I think it helps us know that, you know, even though we, we're not a minister, we're maybe not in the fivefold ministry or we're not called to be a preacher or a teacher. We're all living life together. Everybody say we're living life together. And we all experience things, and each person uh, God speaks to, maybe in a different way than he spoke to you, but the end result is always the same. God gives us the victory, amen, in everything. And we just have to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Today's message is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And uh, the first message, the title of the whole series was Up, Up, and Away. And uh, each message has been uh, speaking to us in a different way. The first one, uh, turn your hope up. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And in the kingdom of God, faith is what moves the hand of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says in Hebrews eleven six. 6. So we need to have hope in order for our faith to rise up. And uh, I believe we're living in a time in our world where hope um, is lacking uh, or maybe diminished from where it's been just by what's happening in the world, what's happening in our nation, uh, what's happening even in families. You know, the enemy ultimately wants to destroy the family because the family becomes the nation, becomes the world. And so when the family is disrupted, then the enemy has gained really not just the household, but he's ultimately gained the world. And you say, well, you know, I'm not going to the world. Well, you have an effect on the world because you're a believer. You have power. You have authority. Uh, last week, we talked about that. We have dominion. Everybody say dominion. And so uh, here as in heaven is what God intended. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how's that going to happen? Through the blood of Jesus, through Calvary. We've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So when we see things, we see things from God's perspective. The Holy Spirit in us helps us see those things. And then we take our dominion. Everybody say dominion. And our dominion gives us authority to change the world, change the nation, change, first of all, our own house. Amen. And so um, when I first heard this message, uh, it was Romans 15, 13 that I read in my faith to faith. I want them to put that up in the Amplified, and we're going to read it. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. Look at your neighbor. Are they bubbly today? I think I'm going to have to get bubbles. I think I'm going to have to get me a bubble machine. Now, by the end of the messages, people are bubbling. But at the beginning, and I know how that is, we go all week and our bubbles get burst. How many of you have had a few bubbles burst this, this week? But, 
You know, there's a machine on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit that causes you to be able to bubble all the time. It says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so we have the ability as believers to stay above the circumstances. Uh, I read in my faith to faith where somebody said to Brother Copeland, I'm well under the circumstances. Everybody say we should never be there. We are never under. The devil is under our feet. We are not under anything. We are above and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. We are in authority. And so uh, when I got this message, I, the word hope, it, it, it's a word that means that no matter what's going on around us, we continue to have joy, to have peace, because our hope is established in Christ. And in my Faith to Faith devotional, it said, hope is a divine dream, an inner image that's bigger than you are because it's built on the promises of God. And when I was praying about that, I just saw hot air balloons. If you've been next door for a coffee or for donuts in the morning, you'll see hot air balloons everywhere. Because I felt the Lord just quickened me to these messages on up, up, and away. You know, when the higher up you go above your circumstances, that the more able you are to see what's truth and to be able to soar. I heard a message by Joyce Meyer once that said, don't stay on the ground with the chickens. All they do is peck around where they are. Be like the eagle and soar. And God wants his church to be uh, elevated above what's going on around them so that we can speak into those things and change them. But it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit in us. Everybody say, by the spirit. And uh, what I saw in that hot air balloon was there's a fire that they, they stoke that fire. They, that fire is what brings the lift of that balloon, along with the hot air. My husband was helping me with my message yesterday. He said, it's not just the fire, it's the hot air, and Christians are full of it. <laughs> well, I thought I was going to have to throw him out of my office. It got worse. Everything I said, he had some funny thing to say. So I said, you're not helping me. Please leave. I don't very often give him my message for that reason. Uh, because when it gets done, I can't remember what God said because of what the Lord of my house said. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to give you what God said today and not what the, the guy over there said. But hot air is involved. Everybody say hot air is involved. <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's put the fire of the Holy Spirit under that hot air and begin to, to be who God's called us to be and live not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And uh, we're going to look at Zechariah 4.6 today. And uh, when I was studying this message, and God, I really felt like was speaking to me, in the Bible, especially in the Old Covenant, when it talks about the plans for Israel, now those were, those were God's plans. Everybody say God's plans. But they, they struggled. I mean, they got in trouble, out of trouble, in trouble, out of trouble. God gave them direction, things to do. Uh, they'd start doing it, and then they'd fall back, and then they'd go forward. Sound like anybody you know? Sound, sounds like, you know, even the church today. We, we go forward, and then something happens, and the enemy distracts us, and we fall back, and then uh, God gets a hold of us, and we go forward again. And, and that back and forth, back and forth, sometimes can really shake your faith. Everybody say, shake your faith. And in Zechariah, uh, where we're going to read first, this scripture it says, uh, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Everybody say Zerubbabel. You know, now Zerubbabel was called by God along with uh, Joshua and others, about 42,000 people, to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And it says in this particular, uh, Zechariah, the, the prophet is speaking, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. You know, does that sound anything like Mark 11, 23, 24? That when you pray and you believe, you can speak to the mountain, and the mountain will be cast into the sea. And so Zechariah is saying the same thing, Old Testament language. He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. He shall bring forth the capstone, Zerubbabel, with shouts of grace, grace to it. Everybody say grace. grace. 
Now, grace, I want to give you this definition. It's unmerited favor, but in one of my uh, commentaries, it says, a manifestation of God's power exceeding what we could achieve or hope by our own labors, much like hope is a divine dream because it's based on the promises of God. It will come forth. God's grace becomes his enablement. Everybody say enablement. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are able. Or empowerment. Turn to him and say, you are empowered <laughs> to achieve his plan. Yes, to endure hardship. Everybody loves that definition. Or access him. And in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. How many of you have ever had that excuse? I'm just, I'm just a worm. Who am I? Uh, that You're saying I'm weak. I can't do it. Well, then you operate in grace, you have the strength of the Lord. And to see the hopes and dreams and visions come to pass, there has to be an awareness. Our mind has to be renewed to the fact that it's not by might, it's not by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. And so in this case, why he's saying this to them is um, if we turn to Ezra, which is back uh, before Psalms and Job, if you, can, if you want to turn there. But Ezra was a prophet, and he kind of gives the whole story of what happened here and why uh, Zechariah is saying Zerubbabel is called to finish this work. If you go on, can you put, I'm sorry, can you go back just a second to um, Zechariah, I think it's verse 8. This is, uh, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, this is Zechariah saying, and this is very important because this has to do with us. Um, I guess I didn't put nine up there, did I? Okay, just a second. Sorry. He says, the rebel's hand started the work, and he will finish it. Everybody say, whoever God chooses to start a work is also called to finish it. So, you know, point your finger at yourself and say, that's me. Whatever God's called you to do, you're called to finish it. Now, I do believe that sometimes people just um, don't fulfill what God called them to do. I believe God will raise up someone else to do that. He did that with Brother Roberts when he built the university in Tulsa. He said, I wasn't the one called to do this. The person God called, the Lord told me that they didn't want to do it. They wouldn't do it. So he asked me to do it. So God's plans will get fulfilled. Everybody say God's plans will be fulfilled. But God's ideal plan is that it's fulfilled through the person that he's called. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So now you can turn to Ezra. And while you're going there, my husband uh, had two stints have to be put in his heart when he was 57 years old. We had no idea anything was wrong with him. In fact, he went to the hospital to see my grandmother. And on his way in, they tried to put him in the wheelchair. And he knew he was having pains, but he wasn't going to the emergency room for him. He was going to the emergency room for my grandmother. And in the end, he ended up in the bed next to her. And they said that he had blockages in his heart. Uh, they let him out, which was a big mistake, and he went on with what he was doing. They did tell him that he needed to see a cardiologist and get a treadmill. Well, before that could happen, it, it, that pain came back again, and they had to take him in ambulance from our home to the hospital. And it was really late at night, and a couple that were with us in the very beginning of the church, in fact, she was my spiritual mother, Diane Hughes, came in the hospital room, and she, she read the scripture to my husband in uh, Zechariah, the hands of Zerubbabel who laid the foundation will finish the work. And she gave that word to my husband. And it was God saying to him, you're not going to die. You're still going to finish what you've done. I was really glad to hear that. The doctor came in and threw them out. She wasn't as glad to have them in there, but said that he didn't need any visitors. But I believe God sent her in there to say that to him because he had already said to me, if I don't come out of this, take the church and go on. So I was really glad to hear that Zerubbabel was hanging around for a little longer. But everybody say, God will help us. He will send people. And Zechariah was a prophet. Ezra was a prophet. 
Um, you, you read about Nehemiah right after Ezra, Haggai. All of those are, all of them talking about the temple, the wall, to reestablish what was destroyed. Now, all of it was destroyed. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. All of Israel was taken captive because they didn't honor the Sabbath. And so they were there for 70 years in Babylon, captives. But a king of Persia named Cyrus, everybody say, God will find somebody. God gave a word to. And while they were in captivity, toward the end of that captivity, it says in Ezra, and this is giving an account of what was before him, 60 years before Ezra is saying this after the fact. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, now that's another whole book that we read, might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit. Everybody say, stirred up the spirit. Now, we're talking about that fire, you know, that causes that uh, balloon to rise. Uh, On the inside of you, the fire of the Holy Ghost put in you by Jesus. John the Baptist said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and, and what? Fire. It stirs up the spirit. Everybody say, stirs up the spirit. Just for a second, how many of you have ever gotten stirred up? Yeah, you know, my husband said yesterday in my office, whole lot of shaking and stirring going on. I said, that's not exactly how I'm going to read the message. But that's the truth. When you, when you stir up the spirit, things can shake. Things can change. Now, you know, following through with that, you might not be quite as stirred up. But Cyrus was stirred up, and it says, after he was stirred up, he made this proclamation. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is, who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him, and let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods, livestock, besides the free will offerings for the house of God. And then he proceeds and says, all those who are around them, encourage them with articles. All the people begin to be encouraged. And Cyrus brought out all the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and put them in the temple of his gods. And Cyrus sent all of that back to Jerusalem for the temple to be built. And if you go on and read in Ezra, and we probably won't put all these scriptures up, but in Ezra chapter 2, it says Zerubbabel and Joshua began to build, rebuild the temple. They had 42,000 people with them. And in, um, it, as they began to build, somebody rose up against them. How many of you know that can happen? And, and they, they actually wrote a letter back to the king and said, these people are building this nation and it's a rebellious people. These people are rebellious. They're building this temple and they've always been rebels. I'm paraphrasing. But if you read chapter four, you would find out a host of people came against these children of Israel and Zerubbabel and Joshua. And, and it says they frustrated. Everybody say frustrated. They frustrated their purpose. How many of you have ever been frustrated? in your purpose. You know, that, that causes people to have feelings of discouragement or want to give up. And so the, the king that they sent that letter to wrote back and said, yes, I've looked in the Chronicles before, and it's true. They, they, they do, they, you know, they have been rebellious. And so they, the work was shut down, and they had to stop doing the building. Uh, when you get into Haggai, it talks about how Haggai prophesied and said, listen, we have been stopped long enough. We need to start again. Everybody say, start again. And so he said, the time to build the house of the Lord is now. Everybody say, timing is important. And so Zerubbabel rose up, and it says, and God stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. He stirred up the spirit of Joshua, and he stirred up the spirit of all the people to start building again. Everybody say, unity. Unity. So when God gets ready to do something, he'll stir up everybody. Uh, you know, not into a frenzy, but stirred up to follow through with what God 
told them to do. And that's exactly what happened. It says in Haggai 2, 1 through 5, if you could put that up. Everybody say, a promise is a promise. You know, when God says he's going to do something, he does it. It may take, in this case, it took 23 years for the completion of the temple. And then when Nehemiah went to do what he did, it was 13 years after Ezra, and that was 60 years after the temple was completed. Everybody say, a long time. Sometimes it takes longer than we want it to take, but God eventually does it. And this is, uh, Haggai said, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by, the prof- by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. That's the guy that's the, like, you know, the, running the kingdom side of it and a priest. And to the remnant of the people, saying... Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Uh, The people need to be encouraged. How many of you have ever needed to be encouraged? You know, they had seen the glory of the old temple. And now uh, Haggai's purpose was to stir them up to say the latter will be greater than the former. I felt today to share with you that even though things may have been stopped along the way in your life or even changed, that God can make the latter greater than the former. And everybody needs to know that. Amen? If you want an example, I got Pastor Bill. He's the latter, not the former. And I got blessed. God restored. Everybody say, God restored. God is a restorer, but it's not by might, it's not by power, but by the Spirit of God. That's not to say God didn't want it to be the way it was in my life. But in all my wrong decisions, God still rescued me. And he still had a plan and a purpose. I ended up where I was supposed to be. Not with the background, I don't think, that God intended. But it didn't matter because it's not by might, not by my power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Everybody say, the latter will be greater than the former. So your house, whatever, you know, we go glory to glory. It doesn't matter what's happened along the way. The latter will be greater because we are going from glory to glory. God never goes backwards. God never goes backwards. He goes forward. And so even though they were discouraged, even though they had enemies, even though Nehemiah had enemies when he tried to build the wall, I mean, they tried to get him to come down from the work of God. That work was completed in 52 days. They got the walls and the gates up quicker than the temple. But nonetheless, everything got done the way it was supposed to get done. And God was the one who did it. As we go on, it says, yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. You have to be strong in what God has said. And be strong, Joshua. Be strong, uh, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. No matter what happens, God is always with you. God will never leave you or forsake you. Go on. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. Do not fear. You know, I think this is interesting. When I was in Israel, you know, um, Israel has been in and out of the land a long series of times. Uh, We know the Holocaust happened because a lot of the Jews were in Europe. But when I went to Europe, the Jews are coming home. They are coming back to Israel. And uh, that's a sign of the times of the word of God. But what I did think was interesting, in Israel, they called the president, our president, Trump, Cyrus. Because he brought the embassy back to Israel. And they said it was always supposed to be there. And so they, they called him a kind of a Cyrus. You know, I believe that there's a lot of Christians today that have heard God like Cyrus and, and started to go that direction, uh, but never have finished the work because they think it's by might or their power or because even we know so much spiritually. You know, you can be a born-again Christian and speaking all the right things and still not see the mountain move when you want it to. But the Bible says when... The final thing is done. There'll be shoutings of grace, 
grace, grace. Why is that? Because it's God who did it, not us. And so when we're in those places, um, I believe that the latter will be greater if we can stay in a position of faith. Everybody say faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, so we have to stay in a position of hope. And uh, as I was preparing this, I was actually um, thinking about our lives. You know, when we were came back here to start this church, um, my husband and I, he had owned a home here, and we lived with my parents for five months because we couldn't find an apartment that we could afford and start the church at the same time. So we lived with my folks. And then we got into an apartment. And then a house became available, which happened to be my husband's house from his first marriage. He had bought this house. He had, you know, bought it when it was uh, newer, for sure. But when we were going to look at it, the man who had purchased it from my husband when we left, uh, he ended up remodeling it. So it was even newer than when my husband lived in it. But everything that was old had been ripped out. All the walls, everything was all new. And so my husband told me, well, we have this opportunity to buy this house, but would you want to live there? Because that's where he had lived there with his wife, his children. And uh, I said, doesn't bother me. He said, well, you have to know it's God. And I thought, well, it doesn't bother me. But I think he thought it might bother me later. <laughs> How many of you know some things don't bother you now, but somebody says something, it bothers you a whole lot later. And so he didn't want to buy the same house twice and have a problem, I guess. So I prayed about it. Do you know the Lord took me to the story in, in Jeremiah, which was what is referred to by the prophet right here, what Jeremiah said, that in, this, in the place of Jerusalem, the word of the Lord came. And when it came, it was that you should buy a piece of property, take the deed, put it in a jar, bury it in the city, and at some time later, the people would return and they would own that land because of that paper that was in the ground. I had never seen that story, didn't know anything about that story. God showed me that story and I said to him, okay, I've heard from God. We can go there. And we were fine there. Everybody say, God knows. See, God will tell somebody. In the Old Covenant, the prophets were told what was coming. Now, not everybody believed the prophets. Not everybody believed what the prophets said, but it was said by God through a prophet. Now, in this dispensation that we're in, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that we hear from God, that we now can hear from God ourselves. We don't need a prophet to tell. Now, we still have the prophetic voice. We still have prophets in the land. But we, on a daily basis, do not need to get to a high priest. We don't have to get to a prophet. We can hear what God is saying to us. And that way, we can know every day what God wants us to do. So God is still speaking in the same way. He's just speaking directly to his people what he wants them to do. Everybody say, I can hear. It says that in John chapter 10, that, that we hear the voice of the good shepherd. Well, when I was preparing this, uh, it says in Haggai 2, 6 through 9, um, if you could put that up. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with the glory, says the Lord of hosts. Um, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. I believe that there is a shaking going on in all the world today for this purpose, that God would be glorified in the church. Everybody say, in the church. Because it says in Zechariah that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The whole earth. And that's, that's the people of God reflecting the glory of God. And as I was praying about this message, I begin to hear, hear in my spirit, Hebrews chapter 12 uh, it's, it, there's a quote in Hebrews chapter 12 that says, yet once more, everybody say, yet once more. And it's, it's really a quote of this, indicates that the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And I was talking to the Lord about that because sometimes things that we've heard and we believe for a long time uh, shake us. 
They shake our faith. But I felt like the Lord showed me some things need to be shaken out of us. And that's a confidence or dependence on even the fact that we're believing God and haven't seen it. We have to get to the place where we believe it, even though we haven't seen it, but we're still living, bubbling over with hope and not defeated and depressed. Amen? And so God will shake. that Your place will shake. Uh, I, I've had two or three instances where my faith has been so shaken, took me a little bit to get my, my feet grounded again because I know what God told me. And God didn't change what he told me. Everything shook, and it just didn't end up the way God told me. But it's not over yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not over yet. And so when things begin to shake, if you, you know, people who have been shaken, uh, sometimes uh, they have a hard time staying steady. Uh, one of the things that I know has been hard for my husband, and uh, not, not as hard for me, but I told him I was going to share this, um, is that building that sits down there on Highway 52. You know, uh, my husband has driven around it, had people flag us off from driving around it. You're not supposed to drive around it. He's, he's driven around it seven times. He's done all the things that he felt God told him to do. But that mountain has not moved yet. Everybody say yet. And sometimes you want to just let down on that and say, okay, forget it. You know, you can't forget what God has remembered <laughs> for eternity. Whatever God has remembered for eternity and said, you can't forget that because God doesn't forget it. Now, you don't know if it's going to be in your lifetime because if you study Hebrews 11, those people had great faith, but it didn't always happen in their lifetime. So some, some things God tells us are huge, but somebody has to have faith for it to come to pass in the earth. And so um, I remember when my husband called me in Tulsa. Uh, it was, I don't know what year it was. I can't remember. Maybe he knows. But uh, I was, well, actually, I called him. I was in Tulsa visiting my son. And I knew my husband had talked about this building. We had gone and looked at it. Um, but, you know, there was really nothing more about it because it really wasn't available. And we hadn't really looked into it. Although my husband got the name of the man uh, who owned the building through another gentleman that we had had um, some contact with about another property. And so my husband asked if he could uh, contact this man. And the gentleman here locally who had had dealings with the man said, well, I need to ask him before I give you his information uh, for you to send anything or to call. And so he got back with my husband and said, yes, he wants you to go ahead and uh, he knows about you. Go ahead and contact him. Well, I'm in Tulsa, so my husband's up really late, and he writes uh, an email to this man. And he's praying, and, and he's telling God, I don't want to send this until I run it by my wife. And uh, I couldn't sleep that night. I kept laying there tossing and turning and tossing and turning. And it's an hour uh, ahead here from Tulsa. And so finally, about 1 o'clock, I called him in the morning and said, would you pray for me? I can't sleep. Now, I've done that before when I can't sleep because my husband prays and I go right to sleep. Thank you, Jesus. So if I, I don't care where I am, Israel, Prague, I don't care. I call and he prays. So there wasn't anything spiritual. I mean, I just called to have him pray. But he had been praying that I would call. And I called him. And he read me the email, and he sent it at 2 a.m. in the morning after we had prayed over it. Do you know the next day, the owner of that building called him and said, I have been checking on you, and you have a good reputation in that city. This man had already been checking on him. Everybody say, God knows how to do things. So over time, this man told my husband, I believe you're supposed to have this building. The Lord said to my husband, my hand is going to move on your behalf, and you will know it was my hand moving. The congregation will know it was my hand that moved, and the entire community will know that it was my hand. Laurel Hassett did this for my husband, framed it. It's on his desk. Everybody say, a promise is a promise. So my husband believed it had to do with this situation. Many things happened. But number one, that building is under um, the wrong zoning. It's zoned to be a factory. 
It's industrial. And the only place a church cannot go is into an industrial zoning. And so uh, my husband went and talked to the mayor. And the mayor was very nice, but he said no. How many of you know that people can say no to what God wants? You can't get mad at people. Everybody say, don't get mad at people. You know, this message isn't for all of you to write a letter to go see the mayor. Because the mayor is not who's in charge of the timing of God. God is. But there are things God will ask you to do that make you think God is not in this. Or God is not moving. Or this isn't going the way it should go. And so I asked my husband, I said, how many times have you actually been to the mayor? And he was counting. I think there's about eight times he's visited. One time the mayor said, don't even come. The answer is the same. But my husband went anyway. Why? Because God told him to go to the mayor. Everybody say, in order to see the fulfillment of hopes and dreams and visions, you have to do what God says. No matter the rejection, no matter what other people say, no matter how many times people say it. Now, we experienced this in Tulsa with Pastor Billy Joe. You know, it was very exciting when it was him because we weren't the ones who had to do it. But when it's you who has to do it, it can become very discouraging. It, it frustrates your purpose. It frustrates your emotions. It makes you want to give up on that situation. Well, the owner of the building decided to go through the city and ask for rezoning. He did it. It didn't even get out of the people that I don't know what they're called. It's the new something. They, they decide whether you can even get to the city council, whether it can even be done in the city to rezone that area. And they said no, and so it never went to the city council. So there was another hurdle that was uh, a mountain. Everybody say a mountain. <laughs> the mountain got bigger. And then after that situation, in the process of all of that, um, all the area around the building ended up getting rezoned general business, which if it could be rezoned general business, we could buy the building. We could move into the building. So our, the man that's the owner still believes with us. He hires an attorney again, goes back through the same process again, says all these other businesses are zoned general business, even to the point that the, the council that originally said no before it could get to the city council, they approved it. So now we have a hearing with the city council. We are so excited. We were, so, not now, this isn't now, this is back there. <laughs> no, we don't have it today, hallelujah. By faith we do, we have that building. But my husband, uh, they, 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 they were gonna have the meeting and my husband uh, was going to go, and then, he, you know, they felt maybe it'd be better if he didn't, and he didn't go, but he drove around the building. He went there and sat around, you know, down around City Hall while they had the meeting. Well, this is the result of that meeting. The Lafayette City Council rejected the owner's petition uh, for rezoning, and it says the rezoning was filed after three years of trying to find an industry to lease the vacant space in the structure. Uh, the experts... That, which was the agency that listed it, are telling us that it isn't working. Uh, to make this thing work, we need the city council to make this piece of property general business. Now, everything around it is general business. Everything. But council members and the mayor balked at the zoning based on concerns that the property may be converted into a nonprofit use that would be tax-exempt. They... The owners of that building, this is the mayor, the owners of that building, which is the owner that we talked to and wrote the note to in the middle of the night that called my husband, that owner talked to me before about donating that building to the church. Are you hearing me today? See, that, that owner has said, I believe that building belongs to you and I believe that It'll be a feather in my cap when I get to heaven. He's a Jewish man. But I believe he heard God. He doesn't, he didn't even know us. He didn't even meet my husband until two years ago. They just talked on the phone. I'm telling you, 
what God has designed, no man can stop. God says, I open a door that no man can shut. And I shut a door that no man can open. Uh, I don't know the timing of that building, but I believe that God is the one who said that building belongs to us. I believe that he's told the owner, and I believe the owner has told the mayor. But man has nothing to do with God's ultimate plan. Because if you study Old Testament, many things failed that eventually God did accomplish. And through the same person. It just took a lot of time. How many of you have a lot of time? I don't see any hands much. <laughs> yeah, we, but, but God has a lot of time. And so through this, you know, there was, there was some things, some TIF money and things that I'm not going to explain because the bottom line is the city will lose no money when Victor Christian Center has that building. The people of Lafayette, West Lafayette, and this county will profit when God has that building. Whatever God says he wants is for people. It's not for man. It's not for money. It's for people. And so when God says he wants something, God will have what he wants. I don't know how it will all play out, but I can tell you this today. My hope, my husband's hope, some days are not where it needs to be. But thank God we haven't both gone down on the same day. That's why the Bible says it's good if there's two of you walking. Because, you know, one can keep the other warm, it says in Ecclesiastes. But, and a threefold cord is not easily broken, which has God in the center of it. And so, not that I'm not saying this today to say that every day we are bubbling over with hope. Because yesterday, my husband would tell you, when he came in my office, he was not bubbling over with hope. In fact, I said, oh, honey, the message is going to be for you. Find me these papers. I'm going to read them to you tomorrow. Because I already knew that God wanted me to use this example. Has it happened? No. But what happens is this is where your faith gets shaken. Every time somebody says no, especially a council of nine people, the mayor, saying no, and they have total authority to say no, and it be no. Amen? How many of you have had situations that are like that? It goes back in Hebrews, and I want to finish with this, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and God has just shown me this in the last year or two, but um, Hebrews chapter 12, we all know the beginning. It says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and we run with endurance the race that is set before us. How many of you have ever been running and just said, I'm sitting down? <laughs> You know, I'm, done. I'm not going to run anymore. You're down to a walk. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right end of the throne of God. Now, that's where we're seated with him. But then it goes on, and it, in the next part of my Bible, it calls it the discipline of God. And it talks about endurance. It talks about uh, hostility from other people that cause you to want to not run this race. Everybody say, not run the race. That's what it's talking about in chapter 12. And then it says, and then the Lord chastens us. In other words, the Lord says, no, you can't do that. You know, we just talked about it last week in Hebrews. If you let down on the promise of God, then you will not enter the rest. You won't fulfill the destiny. And so it says that he, he says, no, you've got to keep you got to keep going. Verse 11 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I can tell you I have experienced God saying, Stop it. Stop it. Get up and go again. You know, and in the body of Christ sometimes, we preach messages that are, Oh, it's okay. I understand how you feel. That does not make any forward progress. That locks people into a place of disappointment, failure, discouragement, and the devil won. And God doesn't let the devil win. God encourages us to overcome in every situation. And if you go on, the Lord showed me this. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. That's what shaken faith it becomes. Hands down and shaken knees. And make straight the paths of your feet so that that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. When your faith is shaken, you need healed in your life 
to say, it's okay, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. But you're not going to make it unless you get up. Everybody say, get up. <laughs> and so it goes on, pursue peace with all people. Why is that? Because people are the ones that cause you problems. You know, what was it I heard somebody say, it was preacher, you know, I love preaching, but it's all the people you have to deal with. That, you know, I don't, I'd rather be an evangelist. You know, hit them and leave, hit them and leave, hit them and leave, you know. You don't have to grow them up. Everybody say, grow them up. It's kind of like parenting, you know. And, uh, and then it says, uh, looking at which with, without which no one will see the Lord. If, if you don't pursue peace with people and holiness, you won't see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of what? The grace of God. Everybody say the grace. The grace, the grace of God. What is that? It's God doing what he says he's going to do. You can't fall short of that. Then it says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. I believe that there's a lot of the church that is rooted in that place. And this says that the reason they're in bitterness and offended is because they didn't let grace operate, which is God's ability and not theirs. We could get offended at all the people in the city that we didn't get that building. Uh, we could get offended, especially at the mayor, because, you know, he even told my husband once, don't bother to come see me. The answer is still no. He is doing what he believes he's supposed to do as a king over this city, so to speak. He's, he's in a governing position. We are the priest trying to do what God told us to do. Eventually, God will get that done. Because it says God will remove all things. Everybody say, remove all things. I read that to you. The removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. A city council is not God. Your Aunt Harriet, who told you you couldn't do what you said you were going to do, is not God. The people you work with are not God. The banker you deal with is not God. Sorry, Dan. If you're dealing with Dan, he's almost like God. Because Dan listens to God. But he doesn't have full authority in that bank. There are people over him. Okay? And the body of Christ is offended at people and situations and circumstances that they think are stopping them from having that mountain removed. And the Bible says it's removed by grace. Everybody say, by grace. Are you getting this today? This should set you free from all those people you don't like. Now, I could, you know, have you stand up if there's somebody you're thinking about right now. But we won't do that. This is not going to end like that. But these things have to be removed from your life, from my life. People are not our problem. I do not like the people who are running things in Palestine, in, in Iran, attacking people, killing people. But do you know what? There are innocent people in those countries that have nothing to do with that. Nothing. And they suffer because of their leadership. But if you get off on that, you are not going to be living in grace. And you will become weak because grace is where you get your strength to endure in these places. It goes on and it says... See, in 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yes, once more, and this is the quote of the Old Covenant, not only the earth but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken so as of things that are made, like they, they exist, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So everybody needs to say, God, shake me. Shake them off me. Because they have to do with obtaining the promise. It's not the other people, those that you've been trying to get God to shake, choke, do whatever he needs to do. It's us. Everybody say, it's us. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, that's what holds us together on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit. Since that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. 
Let's stand. Hallelujah. God is good. He knows where you are today. There's nothing in the new covenant that says you will fail. 1 John 5, 4 says, everything that is born of God overcomes the world. Everybody say overcomes the world. That's overcomes anything that's causing you to be able to go up. That is causing your fire to be fanned, the flames. Anything that's causing that needs to be removed from our lives. And it may shake you. The last thing that happened in my life shook me to where I didn't even, I didn't even know. I, I was shaken so bad I didn't know I'd been shaken. How many of you have ever, I mean, it, it was so overwhelming that I didn't even recognize that I had been shaken in my faith till God began to say to me, stop. Everybody say, stop. I was just going. I just kept going. You see that oftentimes in trauma of people's lives. It's traumatic. It, 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 it just, it, they lock up in that place and they, and they just keep going, but they're not really going. They're locked up inside from that situation or circumstance that happened to them. And therefore, until that's removed, they're, they're eternally not grounded. They're not grounded. The things that cannot be shaken are, are not even being touched because the things that could be shaken are shaking so bad. Am I making sense? I really believe God wants to help some people today. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it's true. And you may be here today and say, that's, that's me. My faith just was shaken. And, and, and today, today's a day that God wants to restore you to that place where you were, where, where you knew that you knew or where you could accept, you could accept uh, rejection. You could accept whatever the world offered. And I'm talking about through people because things come through people. But maybe that's you today and say, you know, I know I can remember that day. I can remember what happened. There's always a root that affects the fruit. So sometimes the fruit isn't even the main thing. It's, it's what's down in there. I'm going to give you a minute to just pray and ask God if that's you. But first, I want to say, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, today is your day. You need to know what God has for you. And it only comes by the Spirit of God when you receive Jesus. He's the one that can speak through the Holy Spirit into your life and bring the change that you're looking for. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never opened your heart to let him take that place in your heart to bring you to him. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Because I want to pray for you before we go today. Is there anybody? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus and got, got on a wrong trail, wrong place. And you need to come back today and get things right. Is there anybody? Okay, let's all say this. I'm going to assume everybody's saved in here. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. He shed his blood that I might be victorious in all my ways, that I would overcome, not by my ability, but by the word of God, the testimony of my life, the blood of the lamb, and not loving my life, even unto death. I look to you today, Lord, for answers in my life. In Jesus' name. Now, I just want to, we're just going to bow our heads and I just want to ask if that's you today and there is that place where you were shaken in your faith and you really have struggled to get back on to what you know God has said. Would you lift your hand? I'm going to pray for you. God's going to make a difference today. See your hands. See your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, I see your hands. Okay. If that's you, just come down here real quick. We have a couple minutes. We're just going to pray for you. Because I believe today, God, this message was really hard for me to, to put together. But I believe that there are people here that uh, you've been shaken, really shaken. And uh, God wants to make, make a statement today in your life that, that that shaking has been to free you from what holds you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Go ahead, John. Just lead us. 
If you'll just worship with John, I'm going to pray for each one of these. The Holy Spirit knows. Thank you, Jesus. He shut up.
Lord, we thank you today that you know about all of us in this place. I thank you, Lord, that the promises that you've made to every person in this room are going to be accomplished, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. As we do what you give us to do, you will do what you do, which is so beyond what we could ask, hope, or think. But it happens according to the spirit inside of us. We stir up our spirit. We live by faith and not by sight. The vision is for an appointed time. But that appointed time, when it comes, will will cause us to rejoice. But we rejoice today in the fact that those visions are already accomplished because Jesus died on Calvary. It is already finished. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. We give you honor. I just thank you, Father, that each day as we begin our day, we will remember that you have called us up. You have called us up, not down, not under the devil's feet, but standing above situations and circumstances. And as we begin to do that, this world will not overcome us, but we overcome the world. And we overcome it by our faith. And faith, our faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want you to say this. My faith faith is based based on the Word of God. My hope hope is based on God's goodness. God is with me. He said he would be with me. Hope is stirred up in my heart because he is in me. Because of the spirit in me. Lord, stir up my spirit. Stir me up to do and be who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, go and be blessed. God is good. Amen. He knows where you are. Go and be blessed. See you Wednesday night, 7 and 7. And tonight at prayer, 6 o'clock, right here in this room.